You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Tamika Jill, I'm sorry, Jones-Hill, Jones. <laughs> and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions that push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. I also have special guest under Dixon on with us as well. Thank you, both of you queens, for jumping on with me. Uh, literally at the last minute, I know McQueen Jendaya going to call me out because I just woke her up trying to help her get her to hold me down as one of my queens of intellect. Yeah, but the topic is always too black, honey. Come on, five <laughs> minutes before. <laughs> Let's go. Hey, hey, Lisa, what? Lisa, I didn't call you after the show started. <laughs> Good morning, Black America. Hey, how you doing? How y'all doing? So, if you are a first time listener to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, again, I go by the name Black Socrates, and we do our shows in the form of a question. And so, as your diet again, has already let the cat out the bag. Are some of us too black? It's this morning's discussion question. But before we get into this, I want both of my guests um, to give a little bit of their background. And we'll start with you, co-host, if you will, um, Jendaya. Uh, give a little bit of your background uh, before we go into this morning's discussion. I'll give my la- other last-minute guest co-host a second to think about what she wanted to tell everybody about herself as well. Um, but Michelle Dixon runs ATL Tours, and I'll let her tell a little more about that before we get into this morning's discussion. But thank you, Jendaya, for jumping on at the last minute with me. Thank you, Queen. Absolutely, my dear. What's up with it? What's up with it? It's your girl, Jendai. You know what I'm saying? I'm on paperwork as Mrs. Twymika Hill Jones. I am the founder of Black Grown and Married, where we are encouraging and sustaining healthy black marriages for the sake of the black families and community. And I'm also the business owner of Empower You Healness. I mean, Empower You, period where my focus is the health and wellness of black girls and women and those men who love us naturally. That's who I am and what I do, and I am a proud graduate of two HBCUs, Rattler Strike, FAMU, and Prairie View, Annam University. Count the pride, honey. Okay, from Dallas, Texas. Hey, love it, Queen. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Mashonda, you are no slouch yourself, so if you will, Queen, uh, I know, again, I just put, put you up at the last minute, so you, you might not have a, 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 a bio in your head, but you're going to have to pull it out, you know, live in 3D, if you will, but thank you, Queen, for jumping on with me. No problem. Uh, hey, good morning, everybody. I am 
Marshonda Dixon. I actually, my background is in education. I worked as a teacher for about 15 years, um, and then I made the jump to corporate America. And so I've been doing project management for Southern Company uh, for for about for a while now, about 10 years. Uh, currently, I'm the founder of Your ATL Tour. I still love to teach, so I can't get away from teaching. Um, so I teach black history, particularly the black history of Atlanta, uh, which is so rich, and I love it. Um, and so you can actually uh, find me at youratltours.com. And I'm the proud graduate of Alabama State University. Uh, go Hornets. Hey. <laughs> hey, I like a little robbery on the show. It makes, you know, make for a better show. You know? <laughs> hey, so if you're out there listening, hopefully y'all can, um, you know, if you will, uh, share the link with with some of your uh, HBCUs, follow them, let them hear what y'all got. And, you know, we might ask them who did the best at the end. <laughs> That's all good. That's all good. I'm about to I might be keeping score out here. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but the way we always start, or some of us too black, again, if you're a first-time listener, uh, we will open up the phone lines after the first um, break to allow y'all to get in on this discussion with us as well. But before we get started, I'd like to start a pretty simple and unique way. And um, both of y'all have just, well, Michelle and I reached out to you last night, but, you know, thank you for jumping on again. Um, But um, Jendai, you literally just found out about this, but I'd like to start with when I woke you up and said, hey, this is the discussion question. When it was worded that way, what was your first thought, honestly? And not go too deep into it, just want the first thought. We're going to first initial thought when I woke you up and said, hey, I need you this morning. We're doing Are some of us too black. What did you think? Uh, just that. Are some of us too black? I was like, um, yeah, what did I think? I don't think I thought at all. I'm going to tell you it was too early. Okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to get on. Like, that was my response. Like, okay, I'm going to get on. Are we too black? You know, some of us are more conscious than others. I can do that. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, you dig it. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't really give you a, little, a, lot, a lot of chance to have a first thought. You were just like, but to yeah. the form, you was like, I got you black, brother. You feel me? So that was more right, your thought. Right, and, and the discussion right. But, but I would say definitely, like like I said, it was like some of us too conscious than others. You know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. some of us not too conscious. You know, like some of us yeah, are like, that's that. too much. It ain't enough. Was right. pretty much. It's like, is it too much or not enough? That was like my response. And I'm like, yeah, I can handle that. Let's get it. You know. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Mashonda, I'm going to turn that back to you. Um, again, I know I reached out to you last night saying, you know, thank you for moving your schedule around to get on with us as well. But your thought, um, initial thought, are some of us too black? What what, what crossed your mind um, even prior to thinking about whether you were going to come on the show or not, what crossed your mind when you heard the question worded specifically that way? I thought about a conversation on social media a couple years ago. I immediately, my mind immediately went to a conversation on social media when I think it was Trayvon Martin had got killed, and it was an argument. Uh, it, was, it was two brothers talking to us on, uh, on just on social media, and one of them was um, just stating facts, like he was just coming hard with the facts. And another one was kind of uh, came from more of an appeasement or um, 
you know, just more of a, a I guess I could, I could say I could use that, uh, more of a, a softer approach to the racism that was going on. And the one that was like very like radical, um, just unapologetically black, I would call him, he was um, kind of dismissive of the other guy. And it made me sit back and he was right, although he was right, he was stating facts and the statistics he was giving out were true. It made me think about how we all wake up at different times and how we have to be Mm -hmm. patient with each other, with our brothers and sisters, uh, who are black and white, actually, who don't uh, know, who just aren't completely aware of uh, the atrocities or the trauma that the black community faces. And I guess now that I think about it, it makes me, it reminds me of how diverse the black community really is. Nah, that's fair. That's a, um, again, now nah, that makes sense. So I respect it because I was like, that's a long first thought, but I definitely get it. Well, like you said, no, I just jump, thought about oh, the conversation. That's all. <laughs> and then I carried over. But I'm actually, but I'm actually with, I understand it because it took you all the way back to that very conversation. So I now understand why you kind of spelled it out that way. So I'm messing with you a little bit, but I absolutely um, understand it based on it took you to that conversation. So nah, great first thought. I love it. Um, what I'm going to say right before we go to the break um, again um, is there are two complete dynamics to this thing. Um, I think from literally the, 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 the spectrum runs, are you too blocked from the standpoint of, as Jendaya mentioned it, the level of consciousness that you may have, then there's also the whole opposite end of, in a sense, if you think of this term, keeping it real, are you hood enough? Like both, I think those run the spectrum when you think of this concept of are you too black? And it's almost like when keeping it real goes wrong is a version. You know, if you remember those comedy skits when or that you hear on radio or sometimes on different um, television shows, when you know when keeping it real goes wrong, it's like the whole other end of the spectrum. But I think this discussion can run the entire spectrum, if you will. Uh, we are beginning the first initial break, and uh, what we'll do. Is give out the phone number. I'll go ahead and give it out now for anybody that wants to join us for this morning's discussion or some of us to black that number six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that's six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. We'll be right back. Well all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. If you are a teenager or have a teenager who wants to be an entrepreneur, this commercial is for you. 20-year-old J.L. Priester brings you the Passion to Profits virtual webinar for youth 20 and under looking to get a jump start on entrepreneurship. J.L. started her first business at 14 years old 
and now teaches young entrepreneurs how by the age of 16, she was earning up to $75 an hour vending at events, sometimes bringing in over $1,800 in one weekend as an entrepreneur. JL's hands-on, step-by-step teaching style makes the Passion to Profits webinar an easy-to-understand guide into first-time entrepreneurship. JL also loves to share her marketing secrets for how she grew an online community to generate repeat customers. If you have an idea you are passionate about and want to turn that into a profitable, well-run business, then look no further than the Passion to Profit online webinar, Saturday, November 20th, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For ticket info, please visit mycaponya.com. That's M-Y-K-U-P-O-N-Y-A.com. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest co-host Jendaya, as well as special guest Shonda Dixon. Thank you both, Queens, for being on with me for this morning's discussion question. Are some of us too black? Um, if you, um, Some of you may know I just started a video show every Wednesday night, 8 p.m., called Just My Three Cents, where we try to make it make sense and raise the culture. And so uh, today's show ended up being an extension. I didn't plan to do this. I put out a survey of the different shows that people wanted to do, for, you know, some of my followers, and this ended up being the show that was selected. And, it, you know, no surprise, the universe works this way. So I really kind of delved in some aspects of this discussion just this past Wednesday. Surprisingly, again, this is the show that people picked. And so I'm actually going to read something that I read on that show just to start us off because, again, um, this thing can run the entire spectrum. So people, uh, 414, last 3048, I know you want to jump in. We'll get you in, but we're going to get started before we get the caller in. And for the other callers out there, when you're ready to get in, press 1. If you're just listening via phone, no problem. Uh, but I will get the callers in. I'm about to get some thoughts from my guest on this piece. Again, this piece is from, again, uh, say again for those who saw me on Wednesday night. I'm sharing this again. And, again, this is a very telling piece. Uh, I, I always like to caveat this piece by saying uh, I know this brother, I have a lot of respect for a brother by the name of Dwayne Drawn. I hope he's listening this morning. And I wanted to share this thought once again. And I want to say to people, it, it, it may sound like a damning piece. I'm not sure that it's necessarily literal as much as he wanted us to think. And, the, and if you know, and if you're a long-time listener, all we ask is that you think. So I ask people to, in a sense, receive this with an open mind, and this is where we'll start um, with you, Marshanda. We'll let you kind of respond first, get your thoughts, and then we'll get to the caller. So he just happened to write this piece as a kind of a, a, a simple think piece about what he sees in our community. For the life of me, I can't figure out why most of us, most of, not all, black culture is associated with mediocrity, meanness, ghetto, or lack of. There's a dark energy that is forced upon us, for us, by us. Like people can't get a golden retrieval dog. They have to get a pit bull, Rottweilers, or other tough dogs. Pet fish can't be goldfish or happy lost Nemos. They have to be piranhas, Oscars, and other mean-ass fish. Our environments have to be based upon living in the hood. We can't be associated with the nicer suburbs or better living conditions without people's ridicule. 
The store owners in the communities don't even give a shit about what and how they sell things to us, and we accept it. The streets are littered with trash, and you can watch the people do it over and over again. A black person can't just speak well. They're either talking white or considered a sellout. Our women can't be women. They have to be referred to as bitches or hoes. Can someone please tell me why so many of these negative images have placed on our communities? Why do we accept this as our standard? And again, let's please stay away from the not all because he didn't say all. And so I, 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 I like to remove those extremes from conversations because then you can't have a conversation because nothing is all. You, if you focus on the exceptions of what's in a sense being said, then you just waste time in the conversation. So he said not all, but uh, Mashonda, I'll let you start, you know, assuming you didn't hear us, hear this on Wednesday night. So what, what are your thoughts when you hear this brother, in a sense, challenging the community, asking questions? And he ended up jumping on my show and, in a sense, kind of wasn't in this space once we dialogued. But I appreciated him bringing this thought piece to the table. Your thoughts, Queen? I'm sorry. Didn't bring you back live. I was had your own brick hole for the um, commercial. All right, Queen, go ahead. Yeah, it it broke up a tad bit there, but I believe what I what I heard you say is the black community is associated with mediocrity, and he's asking basically why. Yeah, I didn't so hear words. everything you said. I apologize. Oh, okay. Yeah, the phone broke up, but I I heard bits and pieces of it, but I, I believe that's the gist of what you said. Yeah, for the most part. Nah, yeah, it was much more. <laughs> yeah, you want to? Okay, more. let, that's let me. I'm wondering. If you don't, if that's all you heard, I don't know if you But either way, just respond to what you heard. I'll say that. Because I mean, if, did it break up real bad for everybody, or maybe it might have just been your phone, possibly? Did you not? Did you hear the whole thing? Yeah, I, I heard it. Okay. So yeah, I heard it. All right. Well, respond to whatever you thought you heard, um, <clears throat> and then we'll go to Jedi. I don't. Um, so I think it's kind of twofold. Um I don't believe that the black community is, is simply um, associated with mediocrity. Um, I'm a, I, I believe actually that the, it, it depends. Like that's the, that is the piece that, that, that speaks the loudest. Like that's the, um, the, the portions of the community I think that like speaks the loudest. The portions of because it's cool like growing up in a black community the goal is to be cool right and so even if you're smart uh that you know we all have friends or many of us were brilliant in elementary school and middle school but the goal was to be cool so if raising your hands and answering the question is not the cool thing to do that's not the thing that we did um, because the goal is to be cool, right? And so our lives are kind of, and if you're not cool, you know, that that's different. So um, our lives or our, our efforts are kind of centered around uh, things that we do to be cool, whether it's playing sports or, um, you know, just doing different things in different communities. It's just the goal is just to be cool. So that's what we shoot for. And so we downplay or dumb down a lot of our kids, uh, dumb down or us as children, we dumb down ourselves to fit in, to be cool uh, in our community. But, but that doesn't mean just because you didn't raise your hand doesn't mean that you didn't know the answers. And so, um, let me jump in that's, right there. That's kind of what. Okay, let ahead. me jump in right there with what you heard, and I'm gonna let Jadai jump in as well. And so, um, to me, that's what I hear the challenge being in that piece, uh, um, because, like, for example, 
on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page a couple years ago, I remember putting up a thing, being being smart is the new black. Like just even the idea that that meme could float out still speaks to that being cool is the aim was to be mediocre. I, I was faced with that of being called a nerd and things of that nature, and I'm not holding to it and sensitive to it at this moment. But as a child, that was a very real thing. But I still raised my hand and wanted to answer every damn thing, despite you know, despite being a, called a nerd. So I guess it didn't affect me as much. But it definitely still affected me in a lot of other areas in the classroom. I wanted to excel, but I definitely tried to be cool outside of the classroom. And and to a degree, even you mentioned the word dumbed down. So it plays out in some portions of our community. Your thoughts, Jadaya? Yeah, um, I agree with, you know, like the way that she started. I think this is just what gets a lot of the attention um, is the negativity, the mediocrity. I mean, you know, but we're such a diverse people, and we're so much bigger than that. But to address that as far as specifically, because that often happens uh, in the hood, to say the least, and uh, mm-hmm. I grew up there. And I think, like, that behavior and that mentality uh, is, is, is about survival, you know, you put somebody, I remember Elder telling me, if your, uh, if your needs are not met, it will trump your values. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that means, like, no matter, like, you can say what you won't do, you know what I'm saying? But if your needs are not met, those extreme, you know what I'm saying, extremes will show up. So for us, the negativity and things like that, you did what you had to do, and it became a norm to say the least, for the sake of survival. So the negative stuff, and, you know, I think a lot of us can agree, for those of us who, you know, participated in things that were not so, okay, it was uncomfortable at first, okay? But you figured out what to do to make it okay, okay, in order to survive. And um, I think, like, the solution to that, though, is um, we have to be, um, we have to become our solution. You know, we have to become the presence uh, in these communities. We have to become the presence in social media. Right now, because of social media, it makes it even more challenging to overcome because, like I said, we're such a diverse people, but this mm. is what is getting the light. You know what I'm saying? No, it's kind of like back when, remember back in our day when, when you were listening to hip-hop and hip-hop made the switch, and then it was like, wait a minute, this is getting oversaturated, right? And it was like, we got to get back to the good stuff. But then the people that was doing the good stuff was like, that ain't what's selling, you know, because it's yeah, not what was being promoted. But no, we have absolutely. to become that shift in order to get back to, you know what I'm saying, in order to make um, the best of us uh, uh, popular, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. No, yeah. absolutely. Let me I don't think like this, I don't think like this is definitely not the majority of us. It's just what is getting um, the most the most attention. Yeah, I agree 100. <laughs> percent yeah, I want to get to these callers, and I agree 100. Um, percent You know, because it gets promoted or whatever, then there's these stereotypes that get overlaid. It ends up still I never mean, being. It happens. Yeah, let, yeah, let it, me it, kill it. Let me rock, queen. 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 My bad. My bad. If you want to get a little passionate, my bad. Go ahead. Yeah, I gotta get to the callers. I'm just I'm just segueing into the callers. And so, because I'm agreeing with you, I agree with you that it gets to, it, it makes the noise. So the stereotype gets laid to the majority, right? And that's and, and a lot of these things that we right. complain about. Let me rock, queen. Let me rock. <laughs> uh, uh, that we complain about end up 
never be in the majority, but we talk about it as if it is. Like, we've accepted it despite what the realities are within the numbers. And it's not to say that these things are not issues, but a lot of times we overlay it to the entire community. Let's get to the callers. All right, I got area code 414, last 3048, wanting to get in and give us their three cents on this morning. How you doing? Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Oh, I'm just calling in from Honeyer Pass, South Carolina. This is Montoya, your mother, and I just wanted to say I'm calling in to listen in on y'all debate and all that's going on with the subject, and uh, I'm just learning and learn, still learning. I know. I love it, Mom. You didn't hit the one by accident. I appreciate you, Mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, like, for anybody out there, if you just want to listen via the phone number, 646 646- Seven eight seven one six nine one. You are free to do so. If you are a caller, I see several on the line. If you're trying to jump in, you do have to press one, like my mom just did. I do have another call. Uh, four zero seven, last three four hundred. Give us your name, where you're from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Hi Montoya, it's Ashley. Um, I was just calling in to say that I definitely agree with the last couple of points y'all made. I think the issue that we run into with the piece that you shared is that we don't control the narrative. So when those stereotypes go out and when all of these things that people are noticing about us go out, they start trying to emulate that or they believe that that's the entire black experience. So then we get met back with those same stereotypes outside of our community and it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because, you know, in, in some parts, of our community, we have people that are actually doing these things. And then we see people outside of our community that see it, that emulate it, that talk about it, that hype it up, and then it becomes bigger to other people within our community. And they feel like that's the black experience, right? Like, and we experience that mm-hmm. on a day-to-day when those questions come out about, like, how black are you? What movies have you seen, right? And, and so there is no scale of, like, what is and what isn't black, but we have these stereotypes. And, again, because we don't control the narrative, it's this two-way street that's happening where we're sending out information and people don't understand why people are acting that way or why they're doing these things, and it's because survival um, but now it has become popular, and this, these are the things that people want to emulate. So while it's happening as a as a strategy for survival for certain people, it becomes something that's popular, and it just keeps getting pushed out and coming back in and reinforcing that. Great point. Uh, I think you really have summed up um, really how it goes down in the concept of controlling the narrative is – absolutely what we're often in dialogue about. That's why we're having this show. So definitely appreciate Thoughts Queen. I'm a, if you will, if you want to get, you know, I'm going to uh, hear what the Queens have to say about what you had to say. And um, if you want to get back in, feel free. But appreciate your three cents this morning. Thank you for um, listening this morning, um, Ashley. She, I like to highlight. She's also one of my queens of intellect, so they always come in and bring me brilliant three cents whenever they do. So I appreciate you, Queen. All right. Um, I'll let you start on this one. Any thoughts about what Ashley had to say? I completely agree. We don't control the narrative, and we need to. And um, like I mentioned before, we must be a part of the solution. So, yeah, I think she was on point. No, absolutely, I agree. I mean, there's not much to say to it because she summed it up pretty nice, in my opinion. Any thoughts for you, Michelle? 
uh, any thoughts from anything that she had to say? That was, um, that was a great point. She was on. She was definitely on point with everything. Um, I just it reminded me of how important it is for us to tell our own stories. Mm-hmm. That's it's all. Not easy. You know, in yeah, the spaces not, that we can, which is what yeah. you do. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely like I say. I say all the time. Um, the internet. I get. I get. I always steal this comment from my man Eldridge Washington, who says the internet is disrespectful. So disrespectful in the sense that we have a chance to counter, uh, in a sense, the messaging that is in mainstream media, and it, it become. It does become up to us if we're going to be the solution, as Jendaya said, to seek out the media spots that are having real conversations about what's really happening versus what's perpetrated in the media. Um, let's go to the flip side of this. Just only got a couple of minutes before we go to break because we're going to really visit the dialogue of, you know, what's happening in the hood, if you will, and, again, even speak to the realities of it because I don't want to be just completely dismissive. Um, again, not controlling the mer- narrative is how it get applied to too much of our community. But as Jendai was mentioning earlier, you know, kind of mentioned when she was jumping in, she said, um, you know, let's not act like it doesn't happen. So we're going to get into that after this next break. Um, but one thought just to highlight the, the other flip side of this. Um, the flip side of this is getting conscious to the point that we that we do like Mashanda said in her example before the first break where the person was coming with the facts but was so dismissive of someone who had a different perspective or, in a sense, hadn't, quote, unquote, woke up yet. So, Jindal, um, um, that's right up your alley. Any thoughts about becoming so conscious that now you don't give anybody a pass and it don't matter what somebody does, they damn near ain't black enough. If you could give me one quick thought on that, we're not going to go too deep on that yet because I want to stay in this space, but I wanted to at least highlight the spectrum. Uh, we got about a minute and a half. We're going to go to break. So if you could, you know, give me a concise thought on it because that's your world, if you will. Yeah, those, those people continue to fuel the divide as well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like you just go, you're, you're going from one extreme to the other, and it just plays into the divide uh, of our people and the work that we get that we need to get done. You know, it's kind of being like, well, if you ain't Christian, I don't rock with you because you Muslim. You know, and if you don't know this already, then you can't be in. You know, what I'm saying you can't be included, and all that does is just it's just more and more of the same. You know, and so uh, so I, I don't agree with like like that that move either. <laughs> so, yeah, I was you so, yeah that, that mentality, uh, you know, plays into uh, the great divide uh, no, of our people as well. No, absolutely. I tell people all the time, you, you wasn't always woke. So you have to allow other people to have the right. process. If you have the information. And, and you're still the, not woke. Yeah. You, you're still not woke if you're feeding into the divide. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I love that. <laughs> No, nah, I like that. That's a dope perspective. We are up against this next yeah. break. Um, we are getting, this is actually a cut from Charleston White for a lot of y'all who kind of gotten to know him via social media, uh, but just giving um, his thoughts. And I want both of your thoughts coming out of the break. Again, if you want to join us this morning, it's 646-787-1691. Again, it's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Um, to let you ladies know the breaks are live, so if you end up doing anything in the background, just kind of mute yourselves. We're going to play about a three-minute cut here. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Yemi Sandifer, who was a, a black disciple uh, at 11 years old, See, they say uh, he was a ended terror. up. I'm sorry? They say he was a terror. He was a stick-up kid. Yeah, he was, he was a terror. This is true. And, you know, he was sent to go shoot at a rival. He ended up shooting a little girl who I guess whose father was, you know, a notable gang leader as well. 
and then his own people basically had to go, didn't have to go, but his own people went and actually executed him uh, at 11 years old. And we talked about that with Don, and it was it was one of these situations where suddenly you had these gangs that were somewhat local and relatively low-key suddenly became international. Yummy, yummy became um, what you would call um, um, something for um, the news media, the newspaper to continue make money off of. He was on the cover of Time Magazine. Yummy Sanderford was the picture of Chicago gang violence. Honestly, to this day, yeah. to this day, we're still talking about it. Yeah. Uh, that's if, if 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 white people had done that, that would be our Emmett Till. Yeah. That if if white people had done that, that Yummy would be our Emmett Till. Correct. Uh. He was a reflection of his community. Uh, he wasn't a bad kid, but somewhere down the line, someone had showed him some bad things. He had seen it, he had heard it, he had witnessed it, and, and, and you begin to reflect and take on the environment in order to survive. Right, he was 11, like... I'm trying to think what intelligent things I had done by 11 years old, and it's really not that many. You know Man, what I mean? Man, I was still looking up at the sky for Santa Claus on Christmas Eve at 11. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I still thought exactly. the tooth fairy was coming at 11. True. So what does that say about our community? The 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 There should be a level of outrage at this point. I don't know what it'll take but no one no other race is affected like this when you think in terms of gun violence no other race of people is turning the guns on each other in the manner and at the rate of which we're doing and it's an epidemic And right now, it lies at the feet of the music industry because we have a whole genre, a whole genre that does nothing but promote the killing of a black person. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, or Some of Us Too Black, special guest co-host Jendaya, as well as special guest Marshonda Dixon. Um, both you queens, again, I'm pretty sure y'all may be familiar with Charleston White, um, can be quite controversial, um, but there was a lot said in that post. I think it speaks directly to what we were just talking about. And as I said, I do want to speak to a degree communities and I'm being very selective with the words because I do want to talk through the actuality and not the stereotype uh, as I explained to one of my friends from outside the country one time I, I said to her I said you know sister I said you know why do you know about Chicago and you're not even in the United States and it's similar to what you heard 
um, the the guy with the they, the clip they played when the guy said uh, Yami was put in the media to make money, and so that speaks directly to what Ashley was saying in the idea that things get pushed as in a sense to be the face of something, and it's not that what happens in Chicago isn't exactly what we you know all in a sense hate and wish which could change. But the reality of Chicago is that's not the reality of my three light state, you know, three lights, um, stoplight neighborhood in my town. I've lived in Atlanta for the last 15 years. That's not my reality. And as we said before, it's not the majority's reality. So, again, things that get pushed can then allow with a, with a narrative to be a blanket for all of us. But now let's speak to the realities for those who do have those experiences. Um, and, again, it's, it's a worthy discussion. Um, I'll start with you, Mishanda, your thoughts. Again, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm navigating between both things because it's kind of like, okay, now that we're going to speak to it a reality, then we've clarified we're not talking about all black people. We've clarified that we don't accept the narrative. But now let's speak to the realities that in the experiences that some of us go to, Jediah already kind of mentioned it as well. Um, but you know, what are your thoughts when you hear a uh, Charleston White say, "Hey, we, we got a whole genre that speaks to nothing but killing black people," and sometimes we lay it at the feet of rap? Your thoughts, Queen? Sean, did I lose you? And I'm sorry, I'm driving. I have terrible. I guess I'm going through a bad, bad area. But, um, but my thoughts regarding when I hear, um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of in the in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but my thoughts regarding, could you say that one more time? All right, Queen. Um, yeah. How about this? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run to the diet. If you're, if yeah, if it's a, if you're moving. All right, Queen. Um, I'm going to jump to Josiah, and then you just kind of pick it back off of her, if you will. All right, go ahead, Josiah. Okay, no problem. Yeah, so uh, addressing the narrative of the hood and how we are being depicted, it goes right back to uh, what the other sister said and what I was saying earlier. Um, you're dealing with who's controlling the narrative, and, and even more so, even deeper than that, who's controlling our communities? You know what I'm saying? Where these things are happening, where these things are the reality, like what they was just saying in that little piece right there, you know, somewhere along the way, his environment became his experience, okay? And that's for a lot of us. Our environment has the ability to become our experiences because it goes back to if your needs are not met, how it will trump your values. So when you're dealing with gun violence and us turning the guns on each other and us getting caught up in this negative cycle, you know, you can accept it or not, but let's be real about who got a hand in this. You know, who's putting these guns in the community? And they're putting the guns in the communities where needs are not met, okay? Who's controlling the narrative of what is in the airways, what we are listening to that is encouraging those things, right? It's not that that is a majority of hip-hop. It's, it is what's on constant replay by the people controlling the narrative. And it makes it even more challenging for those of us that, that, that will or actually that are in the hood and that want to make, it, make a difference because we're not the majority. You know what I'm saying? So it makes us grabbing the narrative back uh, uh, challenging because it's like whereas you might want to come in and drop in this community center for this and this, and then over, but in reality, that neighborhood trying to eat it. I don't have groceries to put in it. 
You know what I'm saying? I can't teach you the farming skills and the the different things. So that's my that that that's my take on it. It goes back again, even with that piece. Who's controlling that narrative? Who's controlling that environment? You know, uh, and what's coming and what and going always, and what, what is available say, and accessible to those people. Yeah, and what I always say, because when you're having these type of discussions, even within ourselves, when we have the dialogues, we will have. Within our own community, I've had plenty of shows about this where our debates are reduced to that narrative as well. Like that's our dialogue as if, and I would like to highlight this, as if your organization doesn't exist, as if mm-hmm. Brothers and Brick Sisters doesn't exist, as if every coach that's trying to save a kid from being a statistic, let's, like, let's even take Chicago for an example. Where where there is no denying the issue in Chicago, but we talk about Chicago as if that's every black neighborhood in the country for one. But even within Chicago, um, the idea of where's the outrage? I'm like, there's mm-hmm. outrage. There's outrage every time someone loses their life, and especially if it's a quote unquote innocent person or someone outside of the gang gets killed, there's complete outrage. The outrage happens within the families that it happened to. And sometimes outside looking in, we'll make comments as if because it's happening in the neighborhood, as if those neighborhoods don't care about it. Like that's so far from the truth because, Jindai, you are speaking to the, the, the reality of those that are in survival mode, that ain't always the entire neighborhood, but those that, in a sense, get caught up in that, and people will say, well, they just allow that to happen, and we simplify Mm -hmm. this discussion without the reality that the majority of the neighborhood is not caught up in that. The majority of the neighborhood Mm -hmm. hates those who are. But like Charleston said, even he said, if you think about that piece, he was a terror. But then he goes, he's not a bad kid. His environment, what gave him that reality? And so it's like right. we just want to demonize it, and there's no diet, there's no solution simply demonizing the results. That's what I said on the show on Wednesday night. We constantly have dialogues about the results versus what's the best efforts to ensure that a yummy is it raised in the environment where that becomes his reality? Um, Mashonda, your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually from Chicago, and so you are just reminded me of um, you reminded me of. I guess I can I, I can say it like this: What people don't understand is the solutions the solutions to black on black. Uh, black-on-black crime is different. Black-on-black violence it, are different than the solutions to police versus, uh, versus, black, uh, versus black violence. So the solution to, for example, um, when I was in high school, I, well, when I was in college, I remember uh, one of my friends got killed, several of my friends got killed, but in college in particular, a really close friend got killed. And it was black-on-black violence, right? And so uh, the response to black-on-black violence is uh, things like um, mentoring programs, things like Stop the Violence rallies. Uh, during this time, though, in particular, when I was in college, 
mothers of victims uh, came together in the communities, and they t- they literally the mothers would be sit they would set up in the hood like they would mm-hmm. be on King Drive, they'd be on Forty Seventh Street with tables set up, like uh, just encouraging people in the community to stop the violence. It was a real grassroots mo- movement that took off, but those were the types of things um, that like help prevent black on black violence um and whereas uh, i lost my point a little bit but whereas uh police versus the ber- police versus uh black uh crimes or violence that the those types of solutions are dumb yeah, yeah, yeah. and not, so not, i remember I'm people saying real quick because we're about to go to break so if you don't mind let me jump in here okay. and, and, and reiterate yeah. some of what you're saying just from from the standpoint, I'm not a huge fan of the black on black thing. Again, that's a narrative as well um, of saying that. Of it's course. Just, yeah, it's really just high crime, and I'm not saying just high crime as if to dismiss dismiss that there's not a bunch of high crime where uh, you know. But we, in a sense, we know crime takes place in proximity. Um, but to your larger point, when people say where's the outrage, I said the outrage ends up being in the program like right, you just exactly. Let me, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're about to go to break. Um, that, that just less that's, that that you just mentioned, but the longer term programs are the mentoring program. I said that's something that that requires everyday work. Uh, for I've been a part of mentor programs. That's something that people do every day to ensure that some of these kids don't fall victim to the streets, if you will. You know what I mean. But here's the truth about this, and let's talk about this a little bit after this break. This cut's gonna. Uh, speak to the narrative that you just mentioned, Zendaya, as well. Um, but the other aspect is for those that are in that perspective, when we get into this more discussion, are you too black? There is a strong pull from that aspect of the community where you do try to cater to, as Marshanda said, to being cool. In some communities, that's, can, that could even be deadly. Like, I want to fit in, and fitting in and quite often, one of the ways it's used is you ain't cool, you ain't black enough, you don't know how to be in the hood, you don't know how to do. So we got to speak to that too, because that's a reality that a lot of children face. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency serving atlanta since 2016 the kg hire company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288 again that's 833-544-9288 
You're talking about censorship. I don't believe that. I believe in sin- I believe in free art. Make whatever you want. I believe you should make music about anti-Semitism. I believe you should make music about killing dogs. I believe in this country you should make music uh, uh, about uh, bashing homosexuals and driving them behind trucks. I believe you should make music about uh, stringing people up on, on, on trees. I believe you should make music about killing Whitey. I believe you should make all that music. But I also believe that in the mainstream marketplace, people should hesitate associating their name with certain content. You know, there's certain stuff you can't buy at the store, certain stuff you can't get on iTunes because their brand doesn't want it. But if you want to hear black people celebrating killing black people, they got thousands and thousands and thousands of those things to sell you. I don't think it's about censorship. I think it's about American cultural hypocrisy. Because here's the truth. These black entertainers, they can't sing just about anything. There's some stuff that will get them fired, and they get dropped, and they get fired, and they get slapped on the wrist, and they get disciplined all the time. Why? Because sometimes they step over the bounds. A very famous case is what happened with Rick Ross. Rick Ross is the Mammy Two-Shoes, one of the many Mammy Two-Shoes of our day. He's, he's a black entertainer in a world carved out for him and a role carved out for him by white entertainment companies. And one day he talked about, in the middle of a song that celebrated dealing drugs and killing blacks, he made a reference to date rape. And when he made that reference to date rape, that set social media on fire. That got 100,000 petitions in 24 hours. Hey, buddy, date rape is no joke. That had white people standing outside of Reebok in New York saying, you better take this seriously. We're tired of a rape culture in America. One line in one song moved the masses. And you know what Reebok did? Did they stand by him and say, hey, we believe in freedom of speech. We believe in freedom of expression. It's just a song. Calm down. No, they fired his tail on the spot. The president came out and said, this goes against our high standards. He's gone against the values of our brand. Shame on Rick Ross. We're disappointed. He doesn't know how serious date rape is. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, how convenient. Isn't that amazing? But here's what really happened. It's not their brand. It's not their values. Rick Ross went off script. He was hired to get black customers, and they think that black customers go with black bait. And in America, black bait is the hyper-criminalized, hyper-sexualized portrayal of black people. And as long as he had sung about that, the stuff that got him hired, he still have a job at Reebok. But when he touched other sensitivities that affect us, he lost his job. See, the truth is it's not they that need to change. It's we that need to change. We, we created the lies. We created them for our profit. We, the, we own the companies. We own the record labels. We own the advertisers, and we keep putting it out. And it's this that's got to change. I thought about it. You know what? I, I wonder if White Mike could get anybody's attention on this. So I stood outside of a Walmart, and I said, hey, uh, I don't think killing cops and killing blacks is very cool. And you know what? It only took seven weeks of Mike Mike standing out there, and they wrote a letter and said, yeah, we don't think it's cool either. We're going to pull our name off of that. The largest retailer in the world had never considered that maybe their commercial shouldn't be right before or after after a song about young black men being gunned down. And I realized this, that black murder is normal, but it should not be. And I realized the importance at the coffee table, at every headline, every pastor's gathering, every family gathering, to say, you know what, these black lives matter. It's not just another black kid. These are human beings. I'm doing my best in every way, shape, and form. Talks like this everywhere I can go to say, you know what, I was born in a world where black murder was normal. My kids were born into a world where black murder is normal. But I don't want to die in a world where black murder is normal. And my five years or ten years away, I don't know, but I'm screaming as high as I can. Let's feel this. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jendaya. Uh, some of us, two black, our special guest is Moshunda Dixon as well, listening with two uh, with on us this morning. So, or some of us, two black. And again, this is going directly to the narrative, uh, which um, I love. Uh, this, this is a full TED Talk by White Mike. Um, 
in a sense, famous DJ, and he's basically taken on the task to challenge, in a sense, if you will, his own community to the concept that black murder is normal and, and speaking to that reality. So let's really get into that. Uh, and so that is the unfortunate aspect of, as Charleston White said, an entire genre de- dedicated to it. So it plays out to where, although, quote, unquote, the powers that be, in a sense, as White Mike just said, allow it to be as a part of the mainstream media, it is because it's normalized from that aspect. And so there are aspects that we have to own about that and having that genre, having that narrative, again, uh, it's not as simple as, well, let's stop it, if you will, as far as the narrative, because, again, if you're talking about youth, uh, like a like a, a young yummy who now has lived that experience, and a lot of times we as adults will just get mad at, in a sense, the rappers for making that music, and I'm sitting here going, like, what do you expect if that is actually their life? It's not that, the, that all the rappers are being honest about their own lives, right? Let's keep that real, too. But if that is their experience, because you do have those rappers as well, then uh, we actually look at the rappers as the issue, but the bigger issue is that, to a degree, black death has been normalized for the larger majority, and let's be honest, even for ourselves. Jendai, your thoughts, Queen? I completely agree, and I'm going to say what I've been saying the whole show. This goes back, and White Mike made it. He said it perfectly. It goes back to who's controlling the narrative, okay? And this is what is being done redundantly, and it's like you just need more of that, more of people speaking against that and more of people turning off the radio, people turning off the videos, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, that's 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 it. You know, you're playing with, like, again, who's who's controlling uh, that narrative for our people and making this uh, normal. Even when it comes to these atrocities uh, in the hood, what, what, does the, what does the police force look like in our neighborhoods? You know, remember back in the day, 911 is a joke in your town, you know. Why, why, are they, why is the task force that's not a priority for them? to clean that up, but when it comes to animal rights, when it comes to uh, homosexuality uh, and the rights of, of, of that, that um, you know, sexuality piece, people are swarming the streets. I remember a huge protest in Chicago. I don't know if it was about the rights of homosexuals or animal rights, but there were millions of people in the streets, okay? So like, me, literally, I would never yeah, forget that visual. Real quick, it's not me personally challenging you. It's a thought that I hear often. So people will say, "Well, why don't we protest?" That's what they'll say because typically those are those groups themselves protesting for that issue. So there'll be those who say that we why don't we protest? And so when you say it from that perspective, I challenge you, Dindai, because I feel like the example that Marshanda gave earlier is what the protests that we have in our own neighborhoods are not necessarily filling the streets because. Filling the streets on, for example, uh, let's, you know, we'll stay in Chicago just for the, because it's easy to, to kind of, you know, kind of throw Chicago under the bus, unfortunately. Uh, sorry, Michelle, I know that's where you're from. Uh, but, uh, but going, filling in the streets, I always say, well, what is that going to do when the person who committed the murder, if apprehended, is going to 
pay the price for it. So uh, quite often a lot of protests are because there's a lack of justice is why you see other types of protests. In these situations, there's there's no justice not typically not being rendered. And then some people love to highlight that, you know, a lot of these murders go unsolved. And, and that, that's, that, that's a fair, it's fair to highlight it, but it's unrealistic. Well, I should say unrealistic. It's fair to highlight it, but people that love to highlight that leave out. It's not like the neighborhood is okay with it and just letting these murderers go uh, uh, free. It, like people really kind of attach that where the murders go unsolved as if the neighborhood's okay with it. No one's in the neighborhood's okay with it. In the form of protest, you won't see people in the street, as you just said, Jendai. You see people creating entire programs, rites of passages, like you've done with your programs. The, the protest... But I think they're mutually important. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're mutually they're important, and you don't have to be... I, I mean, we're human. Right? right? We're humans. I don't think it takes for, for this to happen to you in order for you to stand for me. You know what I'm no, saying? I agree. So while I'm doing programs, you can be a part of the process. Okay? Yeah, what I'm, asking, what I'm asking is when we look, at, we look at those examples and say, well, why don't we do that? Some people will say that, and I'm saying, how do you, what would we, what we, we what do? We but I'm saying those same people don't come stand with us for those of us that are doing it. We're standing with them because we believe in these things that, they, you know, that, that's affecting them. We believe in animal rights. We believe in rights of homosexuals and oh, things like that. So we go stand with oh, them. Oh, that's news to me. But it's not mutual know. is what I'm oh, saying. I didn't, know, I, didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know that we stood for that. I, I'm being honest. I didn't know our community was Well, I'm saying that the, the, the some of us that do, okay, let's oh. look at the crowd. When you look at the protests, oh, you're you going to find us in them. Oh, I didn't know, know who was rocking with that. Rashonda, yeah. your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, I don't think she's too far off. Um, she's okay. definitely not not too far off. Even if we think about the Asian hate, I mean, we can even go there with it when we talk about how we cap for other communities. Um, we're quick to support other community communities. You right. know, um, several African Americans posted "Stop Asian Hate" during a time when. Uh, African-American hate was way worse, <laughs> you know, is the numbers are, you know, we way worse than the Asian hate. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't an issue. It definitely was an issue. But we, there, there, there has been an issue in this country. And I think um, as far as normalizing black death, it has historical, <laughs> excuse me, it has historical um, value. Like there is, we came to this country um, and we were never protected. I, I'm not sure if African-American um, death has ever not been normalized in this country. Um, we can go back to the 1500s, 1600s, you know, um, as far so as African-American death being normalized. It has yeah, all, me, it's always in, something that has been normalized. Yeah, let me jump in. Let me jump in, though. So the dialogue for this conversation was coming off of the realities of that. As we say, the narrative that keeps getting repeated, we have to admit that we've, to a degree, normalized it amongst us. So, right, you're right about that history gotcha. now. But I'm talking about the dialogue of within those neighborhoods, there's a lot of pressure on those young kids to, as, we, as you said earlier, to be cool. Well, in some neighborhoods, being cool, might even mean joining a game. Luckily, in my neighborhood, being cool was I had to run up. I always highlight this. 
Uh, when I remember when I read the book Monster Cody, which I didn't know anything about L.A. gang life or gang life where I was from in South Carolina, I, when I read his book and his entry into manhood was, quote-unquote manhood in his neighborhood, I should say, was going on this first drive-by and getting a shot-off shotgun put in his hand as a sixth grader and never having shot a gun before. And I was like, man, in the sixth grade, I was they was throwing up the football. I had to run up the middle amongst high schoolers. That was my, because I was a boy, I'm going to chase manhood however it comes. In this neighborhood, that's how it came. So, yeah, so I don't even want to get into outside. We say let's go within. We got to own some of that. So the dialogue is, you know, the pressures, and you come from that neighborhood. and you, I mean, not neighborhood, you, you're in Chicago, so I don't know what part, but I'm just saying the realities that our kids face because, as White might say, the mainstream allows it because they've normalized black death. It's normalized for us. I like too. to jump in on that. Yeah. Uh, go, yeah, go ahead, Janai. Go ahead. We got, we got a couple of minutes before the break. We got a caller as well. So I'll give you, we got about a minute. All right. I'm going to have to cut your thought off just to let you know. We got about a minute before break. Go ahead, Queen. All right. I'm just going to jump in and say yes, the, the, uh, as far as like the responsibility on us also with um, black murder being normalized in our community growing up in those environments. And, and I'm from Dallas. I grew up in Joplin, which is definitely over the track. It becomes normalized because we just see it so much. And nobody ever came for us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it, 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 when you see it so much, it does. It it truly does become, like, normal. Like, I remember walking up on a dead body as a kid. Like, yo, is that a body over there? Like, some real boys in the hood stuff. Because nobody was coming to the hood. And so if you got killed, you got killed. You know, I mean, uh, it, it was even it was harder if it was somebody who shouldn't have been killed or somebody that you knew, but it became normal because that was the environment. You know that that was the environment. It was kind of like somebody being killed was like somebody going to jail. This happened almost every other. You know, that wow. uh, yeah. the, the the normal the normalcy of it. Even like right now, I remember being at work, and this is as a grown woman. You know, and I was at work feeding people when nobody would go out in COVID. And then I look across in this neighborhood that I'm in. This dude just walked up and started busting at somebody's door. I instantly knew what to do, right? Like, it just, so I know what to do. That's the dialogue. We have to get the break, Queen. That's the dialogue that we're not speaking to. That's what made Dwayne ask, what, why is this okay? Yeah, I'm just talking about, yeah. we haven't spoken to that. Yeah, yeah, we jump out of. So we got to speak to it to a degree. We're up against the break. 609, we'll get to you coming out of the break. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Black on black, black. Yeah. Hey. Okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my stuff so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black is black. Black rims on black wheels in this black wheel with this black, black, black on 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 black Shit, nigga, bitch, gon' do. What you gon' do? What you gon' do? Back and I'm black and I'm taking brand new. Niggas in the back like, oh word, diamonds are black like. There's no one answer to to how you change the hood or change the 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 reality of what goes on. But what you gotta think about is when you don't have resources, you in survival mode. You know, so being in survival mode automatically rules out a lot of things because you don't care about 
morality because you don't experience morality. You experience, you know, the need to survive. You don't experience, you know, fairness. You don't experience planning for the future. You just experience my ribs touching. You know what I mean? And it's better me than you. And, you know, it's a survival instinct that kick in. So I think once you get out of the survival mode, your your morals come back closer to, to your daily decision making. You start thinking about what's right and what do I believe in. But until you get out of survival mode, you ain't got time to be worrying about right and wrong. You worrying about bottom line. You know what I mean? By any means necessary. So I think that economics is the answer. Empowering people economically is how you really, really impact. But I don't know if it's about dropping a bag of money in the hood. I think it's about impacting culture in a way that, you know, the mentality changes. And then also, you know, the the institutions that exist, it's just a prison institution, really. It's like a pipeline of jail. It, it ain't it ain't no 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 constructive institutions for real that meets you ground level. It's just like if you fuck up, we gonna we got somewhere to put you. So it's like a fear based preventative approach than like some love and like we know y'all going through a struggle and we know y'all could use an art center or a, you know what I mean a studio compound or entrepreneurial space it's like whatever going on if you can't figure it out we gonna lock you up bro so whatever it is yeah it's on y'all I think like you get people out of survival mode they start thinking different I did you know when I when I figured out you know how to how to get myself out of the situation my approach to life and people was different i wasn't so angry i didn't have my guard up i wasn't so aggressive i wasn't so you know expecting if you ain't helping me fuck you it wasn't that wasn't the mentality no more and i can't blame nobody you know what i mean that's thinking about how they gonna pay their rent or like going through not having food at the house, being young and having to go outside to hustle for food, to feed themselves with school clothes, that's going to change people. That's going to make you feel away, And you can't fault them. You just got to kind of empathize with the, with the scenario and understand you put a, a person in, in survival mode, they're going to survive by any means. Um, I, I couldn't make a blanket statement to just the young people doing dirt. I don't think that's honest. You know what I mean? It's context for everything. Nothing happens in a vacuum, you know? But I would say that, you know what I mean? You're going to lay in the bed you make. You're not going to get away with nothing in terms of the energy. You know what I mean? You might beat the, the camera or the police. They might not catch you for what you're doing, but the energy is always going to return to you. So when, you, when you're just living in this, in this cycle of being negative all day and just putting out negativity and, and that's the only energy you're putting out, it's going to return to you in different form than you put it out. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special ghost co-host, special guest co-host, Jen Dyke, as well as special guest, Shonda Dixon, or some of us too black as we hear a cut from Nipsey Hussle that I think really sums up, and Jen Dyke, you kind of led off with that earlier today, and I was thinking to myself, she's still in the thunder of my Nipsey Hussle cut, uh, because you opened up. Um, as we, in a sense, have focused on one end of this "Are you too black?" discussion, and um, and I and I challenge you, ladies, in the idea of uh, not not in the last segment, just speaking to that that is a reality for some of our kids, and but we can't just drop it off and stop it there. I think Nipsey says it best um, in the sense that 
you know, I don't think there's a blanket statement, you know, that we can give because that's not being honest. And quite often we do try to handle the discussion with what's going on with our youth uh, that are hearing these messages way too much, you know, which is why I highly recommend that, uh, you know, for young parents or parents with young children uh, to avoid specific kind of music because of how music and stuff has a power over the brain. And and I I don't want to get too deep into it, but I would just say I definitely recommend not to allow those narratives to be repeated in your children's lives because I was that young kid that, in a sense, related to it too much, even in my little country town. But luckily enough, didn't go up around all these things that I, you know, read in that book, if you will. Um, I actually got a caller that wants to get in. I'm going to go ahead and go to the caller. Area code 609, last 3891. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Six oh nine, you're live on the air. Can y'all hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Maybe six oh nine doesn't want to get in. All right, good dog. Go ahead and um, give me some thoughts to what I just said in that cut from Nipsey. Uh, yeah, I mean, all of that, that 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 piece was so powerful. That that piece was so powerful and on point. I mean, I think my, my favorite part of that was, like, it's not until you come out of survival mode. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, 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 when that moral, those, those morals kind of come back to you. And it's not necessarily because it never goes anywhere. Again, you're just simply trying to survive. And I know for me, it was literally like leaving the hood. Like I, I went off to college and saw other things and stuff, you know. Um, so he's on point. Even the part about what it's going to take to get back those communities, you know what I'm saying, get back our communities like that. It's not dropping a bag in the hood, you know, is giving them that economic empowerment, creating entrepreneurial space, um, creating agriculture uh, in the hood, like giving it, like addressing the needs and, and, and teaching people the skills in there. And that's happening. Um, that's that that's happening. I, I, I have witnessed that right here uh, in my own city. Uh, it's happening and it's gradual, but that's not what's getting the attention. Again, going back to what's controlling the narrative. But yeah, so yeah, yeah, that 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 was on point. That kind of summarized everything I said from the beginning of this. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Yeah, you opened up with it, and I highlighted because the dialogues never take in that with like Nipsey said the context of it all. See, the context is the dialogues to well, how do we have the kids not do it? We're just mad at the kids for doing it because doing it includes. Now back to the Dwayne Drawn piece, the idea of that is saying, look at your shoes. I remember, you know, really stressing about the type of shoes I had because, you know, we basically, um, as we said on the Just My Three Cent show on Wednesday night, when you don't value yourself, you tend to find value outside of ourselves. So you demonize the fact that people want fancy clothes, and that could be the difference between, you know, in the hood back in the day when you would hear people killing one another for a starter jacket. It it is ridiculous. It seems so ridiculous. And it's like, why would they do that? And we're not addressing the why because we're not talking to the context of not allowing them to grow up in that environment. And and I say not allowing and, and this if we don't want to speak to what type of control and what that takes, then we're just blaming, if that makes sense. Um, Mashonda, your thoughts, then I'm going to go to 609 does want to get in um, on the discussion. But go ahead, um, Mashonda, your thoughts 
on what I just said that we limit the discussion to blaming versus getting into the context of how do we recreate the environment so that people are not simply in survival mode because it sounds like you're making an excuse when you're just admitting that it's survival mode. Okay, it's survival mode, and the reality is this is how all humans respond to survival mode, not just um, the black race, if you will. And when I say all humans respond this way, I'm not saying that all of us would make the same decision because the reality is in those neighborhoods is the majority of people are still not choosing to go that route. But there is a lot of pressure for those, especially for young people, which way do I go based on being in survival mode? Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, so you brought up an interesting point when you talk about, uh, I guess you can say the way I heard it was young people valuing themselves. I think not not valuing yourself is the result of being taught that you're not valuable. Like in your feelings and your story, it doesn't matter. So, um, which, you know, it's something that I think we have to unlearn. And I know you said a while ago, a minute ago, when I brought up the history, I I think everything really, our psychology goes back to our history as a result of it. And if I, if I can just say this, uh, while I understand the main point was not to speak to the history of black death, like being normalized, I understand that wasn't the main point uh, where you were trying to head to. But in, in this country, uh, but I think discrediting that, um, discrediting that particular history or like not discussing it, it discredits like our our strength as a people and our ability to live and thrive in this country. And so what, where we are now is we're unlearning these types of things. And I think unlearning, um, because we've been taught that it's okay. Like that type mm-hmm. of toxicity and dysfunction in our community has become normalized. So right. we've been taught that black, black death is okay. But now what we're doing and what we, I think what we've been doing is unlearning that psychology Right, and, I, and we've I would, been learning. Right. Go ahead. No, I think I think your I think your point is a hundred percent on point. Although I challenge that, I'm not sure that there's enough unlearning going on. Because to your point, and I understand exactly what you're saying. It felt like I was in a sense dismissing that history, and you're right. You can't dismiss that history. And I'm saying to the point where we're in a stage now where there's a lot of dialogue where looking back is frowned upon. Because we're also the culture that's kind of mentioned to, you know, that was then or why you worrying about then. So I don't know that there is enough of us unlearning. I think that's why you do what you do with your history tours is to give us a perspective because you find value in who you are based on who you were. So I don't, I would say that we're quite often, we're looking at results. We're looking at a Chicago saying what these kids are doing and how stupid and, and where's the outrage and then when somebody like you comes along or myself comes along and says, well, we got to look at history, those same people will be like, oh, we, that's way back then. We're not going through that. So I think that we actually miss out on the answer, which you just gave, is having a historical context to find not only to focus on what bad happened to us, but to see our heroes and find out who our heroes were because we – we always say we built this country, but I challenge that there's not enough of us that are willing to say to look back on and find that history because people think it doesn't serve a purpose. I agree with you 100%. It absolutely serves a purpose. Unfortunately, 609, I didn't get you in the first time. I'm going to go to this break, and we'll get you coming out of the break. Um, if you want to get in, the number to get in is 
646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. We'll be right back. Where all I ask is that you think. If you are a teenager or have a teenager who wants to be an entrepreneur, this commercial is for you. 20-year-old J.L. Priester brings you the Passion to Profits virtual webinar for youth 20 and under looking to get a jump start on entrepreneurship. J.L. started her first business at 14 years old and now teaches young entrepreneurs how by the age of 16, she was earning up to $75 an hour vending at events, sometimes bringing in over $1,800 in one weekend as an entrepreneur. J.L.'s hands-on, step-by-step teaching style makes the Passion to Profits webinar an easy-to-understand guide into first-time entrepreneurship. J.L. also loves to share her marketing secrets for how she grew an online community to generate repeat customers. If you have an idea you are passionate about and want to turn that into a profitable, well-run business, then look no further than the Passion to Profit online webinar, Saturday, November 20th, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For ticket info, please visit mycaponya.com. That's M-Y-K-U-P-O-N-Y-A.com. Well, being Haitian, when you've seen these imageries of, yeah. like, the cowboys. Yeah, that shit is crazy. Lassoing man. Haitians and Fuck treating it. them like cattle, essentially. Uh, unbelievable. Feel? Unbelievable that this is 2021. It, it look, I've seen it look like I was watching a slave movie. Yeah, whips. They had whips and all that. I said, wait, this shit is 2021, and this is happening with human beings. And where's the uproar in the hip-hop community? There is none. You know what a do- person going to do? Post it. But these guys with the voices... Where's that? Where's Kanye? Where's Puffy? Where's the guys who could, will tell you to go drink liquor and tell you what liquor to drink and tell you what car to drive and tell the guys who have all this influence in our community? Why are they not speaking up saying, hey, we got to come together. Let's pull our resources together and go help our people. These are our fucking people. If this was anybody else, they, people would be pulling together to go help their people. We don't do that shit. We got all these millionaires, athletes, bat- entertainers. But nobody comes together and creates nothing unless they, oh, let's go make more money. Let's go put our money together to make more money. What about your influence? Why don't you use your influence to get to build more schools, to make sure the schools got the, the shit these kids need? Why is there still under fucking, underfunded schools in Newark, New fucking Jersey, bro? I was doing a program in Newark, New Jersey called fucking um, 13th Man where we're teaching these kids film programs. And these, the, bat, the football team was so poor, they had to forfeit, forfeit football games because they, the, they didn't have pads in Newark, New Jersey, where all of these big millionaire celebrities come from and all of these rich people right up the street. And these kids, can't, they, they got to forfeit football games because they don't have equipment. This shit don't make sense. But a motherfucker talk about a, a gazillion dollar car and this, that, and oh, I'm taking gazillion dollar vacations. But the schools and where you grew up is still underprivileged. Don't even have fucking uh, iPads. The kids are not even, can't keep up with, the, with technology because they can't have iPads. They don't have iPads and the things that schools that are funded well have. So, so they, they still got old textbooks from fucking 1996. And, and these rappers ain't doing shit. Oh, oh I, I made a donation last year. Even more than your money is your influence, G. Your influence is more than... That's why they call these people influencers. This whole thing, yo, influencer. Go to influencer. Go to, because these are the people that say, hey, this is cool. This is what we need to be doing. 
This is what we influence is sometimes worth more than money. A lot of most of the time. And and these guys are so fucking cowardly, they don't use their influence to do the right shit. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Jendaya, or some of us too black. Our special guest is Mashunda Dixon, as we hear a cut from the rapper Saigon, um, giving his perspective. Um, he's part Haitian, so that's partly why, uh, for those that know about black, you ask him that question, and you heard his perspective. I wanted to flip that cut entirely on his head when we have this concept of really getting back now, digging into the discussion, are some of us too black? And so when you come out of survival mode, when I was younger, I probably would have responded just like Saigon. But I will say based on what we just led into the break with, with the idea of if we focused on understanding our history in a way that it's effective and so that we do have our value within ourselves, just like Mashanda uh, suggested and I agree 100% with, I would challenge that if we did that, then even if we were pushed in a neighborhood where we had to come out of survival mode, but if you come out of there with your value, then you don't even put that expectations on the millionaires, on the puffies and the Jay-Zs of the world, because the reality is other cultures and other groups in this country in particular, which that's not necessarily the expectation. The reason we have that expectation is because our community has been connected mostly through struggle and this racial construct of race and see it as black. And when he goes, other groups would help their people if that was happening to them and say, and make a blanket statement that's not, not fitting. I challenge that it's not fitting, but when you're in survival mode, it makes sense. I used to speak that way. We're not helping our people. Other groups would do it. And that's uh, in unfair conflation of race that was taught to us. I hope what I'm saying is making some sense. Um, before I go mm-hmm. to the caller, um, I want Jadah and Michelle to jump on, and then 609 will get, get to you again. I definitely missed you the first time, um, but I'm definitely coming back to you, and I see 678 out there as well. Um, Jadah, I kind of said a mouthful in there. I'm, I'm trying to push to the yeah. psychology of it all versus focusing on just what Saigon said, if that makes sense. Go ahead, Queen. I mean, I think that's a that's 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 a double sided coin there. You know, I don't I don't agree with you uh in regards to I mean I, I, I think when it comes to like our celebrities and or those who are, you know, financially well endowed, okay. I, I think taking it back to them to hold them responsible and accountable, um, for their part in the survival of where they come from, you know what I'm saying, uh, is mutually important. I think that, that that is mutually important and not necessarily because see Saigon wasn't talking about the, him them dropping bread and you know he was talking about just their influence. That's not a lot to ask, okay? Your influence and and other people do they do it? Yes, they do. Okay, let's let's look at history. You know, let, let's look at what what their schools are looking like. Let's look at these um, predominantly white institutions. Okay, they're putting their money there. They're creating their influence in a lot of those in, in those cultures. And I feel like we should be doing the same. We should be doing the same. It's not about oh they're doing it and we're not doing it. That's exactly what's happening. It's not enough of us doing it and or again it's not getting that attention. 
So I, I agree with him, and this is outside of survival mode, <laughs> is that we need to do more um, for ourselves instead of waiting for somebody to come, you know, do it for us. And that, that plays into those who have that ability. And people who have the bread, you know, you can create things. Like, for example, uh, Will Packer. Uh, they just had a huge thing at FAMU, you know, where he's created and, and, and he gives back to that institution. And his charge was for other people in his status to do the same. We need more of that. He used his influence to say, hey, I'm doing this. We need to be doing this. We need more of this. And so, yeah, we, we do, absolutely. You know, I'm gonna go to, absolutely. I don't think it's a blanket okay, statement. Okay, I think it's, okay, it's okay. Let, let, let him get in with you, Queen. We try to chat. Let's dialogue with you. Let's dialogue with you. So, um, so, um, so as you say that, and I'm trying to jump in as well, as you say that, the reality is that quite often everyone that we, in a sense, may be looking to, um, quite often they're absolutely doing that. It's just a viewpoint that you may have from your perspective based on where you're at. You rarely see that. Even you know the puppies and the you know what you know just highlighting them because they're the billionaires if you will you rarely you you know puppy has his own school and it's not that I'm sitting here just defending what he's doing I'm just talking about the purview in which you see things you make it's an assumption that there's not enough going on when the the, the reality is when you say other groups do it you're free to do it whether you choose or choose not to we actually put a charge as if we are in a position to say whether someone's supportive and or not. And then if we, if we see a moment in which we just, they're not supporting or think they're not doing enough, then we start talking about they don't support blacks or they're not quote unquote black enough, or they don't support the black cause. And that could just be your purview based on social media one day. But that's not what I meant at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm highlighting that that's not what you meant. I'm just saying that quite no, often. I'm not, I'm not giving it to a specific celebrity or not. I'm just saying that we I, could use more of that from celebrities I and, you know, people I that did. are welcome. Yep, and so all I'm simply saying is when we suggest that we can use more of it, the more of it absolutely could be happening, just your purview of the situation suggests or says that it is or isn't being done when the realities are, for example, in our community, for example, there's one millionaire for every 14 people. And in other communities, that number is one to four. I'm not excusing, quote, unquote, the millionaires, if you will, but there is a mindset of holding some level of responsibility that sometimes they are meeting. You just don't have the purview. To meet it, and there's an assumption that they should do more when quite often they're doing a lot. It just doesn't. It's, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm just saying the, the mentality and the psychology of me being a young man feeling like they should do more and then realizing quite often they're stretched thin being one out of 14 million. I mean, one out of every one every, for every 14 of us, if that makes sense. Your thoughts, Rashonda, on, on, on the psychology of it all. Shadow, you still there? All right, I may have, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get it back on. Queen, okay. I I All right. I was. Yeah, I think we definitely need our celebrities um, to come back and successful people to come back and help out 
in our communities. But I think we have to balance that out, right? And I say that because we need everyday people, you know, everyday people who are not on TV, who don't make millions, um, who don't even make hundreds of thousands of dollars. We need everyday people to come back and contribute to their own communities. You know, I remember my old pastor, he we what his thing he was adamant about a church every church picking one school like every if every church just picked the school that's closest to the church and started mentoring programs and giving books and uh you know giving um school supplies to that particular school that would be like that would um that would really help the community and so he started a thing where um, and he actually taught me how effective one person could be with very little money, you know, and we always think we need a lot of money to do this stuff, but the things that I do in my hometown with my basketball camps and uh, races and different things that I do at home, like I don't have a lot, I don't, it doesn't take hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that, uh, to do these things, but I, I'm adamant and I'm serious about pulling, uh, pulling people together who have very little, but given their time and their effort and their resources. And if a celebrity can come in and help us, that's great. But if not, I'm going to pull everyday people who make fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars and less, uh, in to help our kids and to help my community. I'm not going to sit back and wait for Kanye or wait for anyone else, you know, to come back and help. The onus is on me to help and contribute to my community just as it is on others. Now, don't get me wrong. I can't, I I don't have the resources that they have, but I have resources. And so I think if everyday people, regardless of how much money you make, just took some responsibility for the community that they came from and just start right where you are and, um, you know, just stop looking at celebrities to do it. Yeah. And so what we can do, we can, we can do it ourselves. Yeah, what I'm challenging yeah. is is this the psychology of not understanding capacity and um you know the capacity of even I could do 50 you know once a week I could do 52 shows and I would be able to highlight 52 people that are doing exactly what you're saying Michelle. And, and because we do do those things and the the reality of capacity is individuals that are looking to others to do more it becomes a dialogue about the reality of um, controlling what you can control within your own circle. And everyone else, when you get out of the construct of race, is allowed to do it within their own tribes. And so I always love to highlight this word tribe because the focus, in my opinion, from a psychological standpoint is Am I doing what I need to do within my circle to make my tribe prosper? And when you have that type of focus, you find out that a lot of the people that were not so much, like I know you're not pointing out a particular um, celebrity, Jindal, so I'm not talking about that part, but I'm saying quite often you find out they are bringing their tribe along, and that ends up being our responsibility, and we lose sight of this concept of trying to apply it to an entire race because other racial groups are not tasked as they become a celebrity. Their whole their group is not looking at, well, you should be doing more. I'm not saying it doesn't happen at all, but I'm not talking about the psychology of thinking it should come outside, come from outside. I'm not talking about simply from other races. 
we do it to ourselves, and then we start labeling whether somebody is black enough or supportive enough. So I wanted to just highlight mm. that psychology mm. plays okay. out. Even with, let, me, let me finish, Queen, because we have to go to break. It plays out within ourselves. I'll give you direct response coming out of this break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you say. Are you trying to figure out your next income stream? Maybe get into cryptocurrency, real estate, or maybe even start your own business. If so, contact the KG Hire Company to receive a professional consultation or strategy session to provide you the advice you need to get a jump start on your new venture. If it's a new business, there's nothing like having a business consultant review your finances, strategy, or marketing. If it's real estate, the KG Hire Company specializes in evaluating deals for profitability and securing special financing for creative real estate acquisitions. If it's cryptocurrency, then look no further than the KG Hire Company to master the components of blockchain technology and investing into cryptocurrency serving atlanta since 2016 the kg hire company is an industry leader in customer experience and getting your money's worth contact them at kghire.com or 833-544-9288 again that's 833-544-9288 i'm trying to shake the drum and i started out at the rappers because that's what tricked me. I, we're starting to learn more and more about Tupac. We're starting to learn more and more about Suge Knight. Suge Knight was a football good kid, come from a good home. He wasn't tough. He wasn't. Man, do you know if we would have known that? Man, if we would have known O'Shea, Ice Cube wasn't a real gangster, that he was intelligent, and O'Shea liked to write movies. Man, don't, man we would have had something else to strive to be. If we would have knew Irmis was so intelligent and liked his astrology, we, we wouldn't have, man, we needed something. We need something else. We need something else, man. So I'm saying, okay, man, Tupac played himself. He played himself. I played myself, man. I was supposed to have been a lawyer. I waited to go to law school too late. Non-traditional student. It's harder to do it that much. So you see what I'm saying? We got played. So let's quit playing, y'all. That's why you hear me say, man, I was playing gangster. Man, I was playing bad. I was playing pimping. I was playing. And I'm starting to find out we all was playing. None of us wanted to be bad, nasty, mean, heartless killers. Somewhere down the line, we was taught wrong. We was tricked. We was abused. We had to grow up and, and take on these, this mindset in order not to be prey. And then it became a part of who we grew up to be. But we fought not to be it, but we didn't know how to change. So I'm starting to see all this now. So I'm starting to see all this now. So that's why I'm so adamant by, man, fuck them rap-ass niggas. Man, fuck that shit, homie. Give us a word. So that's why I wake up and say, hey, man, I'm taking my daughter to school. Say, man, I've dropped. So, I'm, man, I got to, man, hey, man, I'm sitting at the table eating breakfast with my wife, baby. Look, so I'm letting the people, so I'm saying, okay, man, this is what they need to see. Man, look at my, so this is a family, man. He seemed crazy, but, man, the guy's married. He's in his children's life. He's at the volleyball games, at the kids' football game. He's in the community doing this. He says some crazy things. That's the character. So, but I step out of the character and say, I don't cuss like that in front of my wife and kids. I don't talk like that when they at the table. So, 
This is what we need from a culture standpoint. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Indaya and special guest Shonda Dixon. This morning's discussion question, are some of us too black? Jendaya, I know you wanted to get a thought, and then I'm going to go to the caller, 678-579, after your thought. Go ahead, Queen. I was just adding to, like, what, what y'all were saying about, like, that little celebrity piece. Again, I, I wanted to reiterate it's not a matter of whether or not they're doing enough. It's simply a point that we can never have too much of it. And, again, influence can be as powerful as, as money given. Everyday people like us on the ground need the influence and the capital, you know, and it's not about the millionaires. I know that's, like you said, 1 in 14 and things like that. But, again, everyday people can give back. Um, you know, to the people on the ground, because what's happening in the hood is the funding, we're not being given the tools to even get the the pre-funding that's out there to help us. They're giving the the people from the outside are coming in and hiring the people on the ground that know what to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if it was more of us to put our hands uh, in what is needed and, and, and influence and capital, it's like, like the movement needs funding, okay? <laughs> you know, and those people who have the ability to attribute to that, that's that's mutually important. That's it. I respect that. All right, let's go to area code six seven eight and Ashley wants to get back in as well. Six hey, seven eight three five seven nine. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, how you doing? This is milk man. How y'all doing? All good. Okay. Hey Montoya, can you please tell me the, the initial question you asked about about black people being too black? You said this one guy said something, and, and that's the whole thought process in my head. That's why I asked to be unmuted. All right, I don't know where you're going, brother. I've been talking about it for two hours, so I don't know what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know y'all been over two hours, but y'all also been just jumping around to different subjects and finishing the same conversation. Yes, I don't so know what things pop my mind. Um, yeah, what, you said that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I don't know. So, so what, what are you, you trying to have me speak on? What part again? Um, before the break, you were saying that uh, some guy said a guy said something early in the conversation, and that's why y'all started talking about this one one particular issue. I'll, I'll just say this because it seemed like you can't remember, and I'll just go off the top of my head. The thing with us as black people, one of the main things that I see is that we have been manipulated by a system that's basically built to destroy us. And the thing is, is, like, we don't own. So when we ask, like, I agree with the sister. Like, I do feel like if you're black, I feel like it's your goal. It should be your every waking moment to help other black people uh, um, get out of this entrapment we in. But at the same time, I do understand what you're saying, whereas though you're saying, like, listen, you don't know what people are doing to help, help our people. But just like they market uh, to me, just like they market Ciroc and all these different things, they should market. You can make whatever you want popular, and if you want to make anything popular, you want to make us helping each other popular. Because what that do, what that do is, it helps all of us get out of the system, the situation we're in. We're in a situation where it's though they use the games against us, they use social media against us, they use TV against us, they use movies against us, they use school against us, they use everything against us to attack us at one time. And the thing is, is that we don't stand up and have a plan. That's the main thing we got to do. We got to come up with a plan where as though we're helping each other in a system where as though it's like, 
all right, you're doing this, but I can help you do this better than what you're doing. If we don't have a plan overall, we're going to just keep running around in circles and doing little pockets of things that's going to help us, but it can, we can achieve the goal quicker if we was unified for my thought process. And then one of the now, main I'll things re- I feel I'll like we need to do – I'm sorry, go ahead. No. I thought you were finished. I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. I'm sorry. Now I was going to say, like, one of the main things we need to do is just, like, uh, we, to me, one of the main things we need to do is control the TV. If we control what we're seeing on TV, because most people are not most, – not most people. Some people are not reading books. Some people are not getting information. Some people are not, don't want to jump on and listen to mental dialogue. But if you can get it on TV, if you can control the narrative of how we see each other, we're watching Power, we're watching BMF. We watching uh, Snowfall. We watching before that. We watching um, uh, the, what was The Wire. We watching anything that's negative, that's detrimental to the way we the way we think. It's killing us, man. And so let me say this earlier. Where the, let me say this last thing, and I'll be quiet. Earlier, somebody was saying something where though we get used to it. The thing is, we don't get used to it. We become so numb. We have no feelings. We they basically they trick us out of humanity. So we think that us killing each other, that's, that's just normal. I'm from Baltimore. I've seen all types of crazy stuff. But at the same time, we talk about where we're from like it's a badge of honor because we know un- unknowingly we survive some shit that most people can't survive. So when I say I'm from Baltimore, somebody said they're from Chicago, or they say somebody said they're from New Orleans or Detroit or some certain places, we know, like, yo, you survive some shit that most people can't survive. And we shouldn't be put in a situation where we survive. And the thing with the police the thing with the police as far as us, us us not going to the police or not being unified for us protecting each other because if if Montoya, if you kill my brother, right, and I'm marching to say you need to be locked up, but the police I don't trust the police and I don't trust the dudes in my neighborhood, what can I do? I mean check me. That's it. So I want to dialogue with you, brother, if you let me. I want to dig jump. Let's dialogue. You like you know, if you will, I want to dialogue with you. Good. And so, mm-hmm. in dialoguing, and 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 I, and, I, I, I'm, and again, it's mental dialogue. So I'm pushing back intentionally to think about as I as I grasp what you said. And ladies, y'all can jump in with me. So as I'm listening to the brother, and I, what I'm saying to you, Milk, is when you say, um, you know. All we want to see on the TV is these, these different shows or whatever. So we've already spoke to not being in a position to control, in a sense, those narratives. If, since that's the reality, it's nice to say we should, we, should, we should control it. So unless the dialogue is how to control it, then we have to have a dialogue about what we do since this is the reality. And since it's the reality, there. It, it, it becomes unrealistic from a psychological standpoint to move as a race and a unity of race is a BS concept once you understand how race was given to you. The things that we give other groups and credit groups credit for was not done because of a unity of race. It was done by a pocket of people who says, hey, I want to make a change in this in, in this situation. So, for example, me doing mental dialogue here on the Internet is a small example in the event that I, um, or like I'll give credit to like Kalanji Tonga or whatever, for those who may know him in Atlanta. He's built his Internet show into a media-based company with several shows. So 
they're making their concerted effort to actually be the difference and control their sphere. And it's not that any of you would disagree that that's the only way to do it, but we say but because we're thinking that there's a, a way to to do it from a racial come-together perspective. The reality is when we know we don't have the control of the media as we speak, then if we want to discuss how do we get control of our own media, that's a great discussion. But to blanket and say we um, – you know, they're, they're only putting the, um, the negative stuff on, that's no surprise to me. That's no surprise to me. It's no surprise to you, Milk. I'm just talking about the way we speak to it is from this collective standpoint, that's not a reality of how you change things. I don't know if that makes sense, but I want to give you a direct response to that. Well, I, I feel like if, if, if they have done things to basically manipulate us to think one way, we can do things in a way where we can manipulate ourselves to see another way. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, like, the manipulation. Oh, okay. The manipulation. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead, so, I'm sorry. No, you good. Well, you know what yeah, so what I'm basically saying is, is like, what Nipsey said earlier in that, in that clip, whereas though, like, when you're in survival mode, basically, I call it spells. If you're under a certain spell, you just don't see things the same way everybody said. If you being if you being uh, if you mm-hmm. if you treating your if you out here you treating your sisters a certain way you just you messing with a whole bunch of women you don't even see what you don't really see it the way it really is because you under a spell if you selling drugs you don't realize yo you thinking you getting close you don't know that yo you killing somebody else's family nobody has put these things to people the way that it really is. Nobody don't say, like, yo, when you sleep with a lot of women or women, when you sleep with a, with a lot of men, what you're doing is you're giving a piece of your soul away. Nobody said when you're selling drugs, yo, you are destroying another person's family. Nothing is broken down in a way it should be broken down to people. So people don't even comprehend the severity of what's being done to them. So, so let me tell you this I'm about to come against a break. So you say nothing is getting done. That's the dialogue because I don't think that there's no, no, no. quote that nothing is no, 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 no. But I just nothing but it's just I said, nothing I say is absolute. Nothing I say is yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I know that. I know better than that. I know better than that. And I'm saying that's what we have to speak to. That the, that that how do we do it and how do we do more of it versus even wasting time on that nothing's getting done because what you're saying is. These are the things we have to do, and that just has to be the dialogue, and I think we lose sight of how it gets done because we put it in the context of we need to be doing this, and we're thinking of everybody should be connected to that. That's just not how accountability actually happens, and I'm challenging the psychology of how to get better at improving these things. It is highlighting well, the jives of the world, highlighting the milks of the world and the work that you and Sincere do with VIP. We all forget the break, so I'll let you get a thought after the break, but I do have to go to this last break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. 
We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478 478- 781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. I think we are back, Montoya. Are you there? You so black. You so black. When you smile, the stars come out. You so black. When you born, the God come out. Black is not. Black when it's wrong and black when it's right. Black is pyramids and mathematics. Black is melanized and magic. Black is televised and in need of drastic black advancement. Black enhances black with chances. Black with privilege. Black with pride. Black on purpose on the black hand side. Black and beautiful. Black and blessed and highly favored. Praise the Lord. Black and blessed. Black and so much more. Black and nothing less. Black and educated. Black is brilliant. Black is strong, black is resilient, black is song, black is infinite, like hip-hop or space. Black is grace, black is love, black makes babies, black babies grow up, black is tough, black is hard to do. Black is me, black is you. Black is not something we get to choose, but it is something we get to cherish. It's something we get to wear and we get to rock this with honor. I'm black like my granddaddy and my great, 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 great grandma. Black is that lift every voice and sing. Black is that letting your freedom ring and resound. Black is adjective, adverb, color, and noun. so black. Ooh, you so black. When you smile, the stars come out. Baby, you so black. When you're born, the God come out.
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Thank you to my special guest co-host, Jendai. Just having a little, just a little slow on the boards this morning, so forgive me for that, Queen. And then we got special guest, Mashonda Dixon. I wanted to let Milk, I'm going to give you one last thought. We got another caller right behind you, so you're going to have to make this one quick. I know I'm giving you a little pushback, and it's just me intentionally dialoguing about even how we speak on coming up solution with the solutions ourselves. And so I'm just pushing back intentionally just to force us to dialogue through the thoughts of it. Go ahead, King. Um, a quick thought before we go to um, Ashley again. Hey, I just want to say, first of all, I appreciate the pushback because we all shouldn't think the same. That's how we lose. We need to have people to think differently. Um, the only thing I want to say is this. If they can come up with a system to keep us oppressed, we can come up with a system to get out of the situation in. That's all I want to say. Nah, fair enough, King. And, I, and I'm challenging us to get out of the, even the concept of they, because that whole construct was given to us, in a sense. I'm not saying that things were not done, but the context of a they doing it and we combating it, the, the better way to navigate it is within tribes and realizing that there was a tribe of people that put some things in place to where now we battle with this concept of racism and that tribe put some things in place to where a bunch of other white people think it too. And, and when we realize that things are done within tribes, then we can get, in In my opinion, we can come up with smarter and better solutions and not look to place blame and responsibility outside of our own circles of influence. Go ahead, Ashley, your thoughts, Queen. Um, so I just have two points. The first is that, you know, uh, there is a duality to the experience, right? And And specifically within our community and unlike other communities, we have to be worried about ourselves and community, whereas I think, like, when you talk about the Asian community, the Hispanic community, like, they focus on community first. And when you talk about white people, they focus on themselves first because they are in a, in a position of privilege. And so you're asking that to come from people that are in survival mode, right? And I think this goes back to the conversation we had about the top three priorities. Just because someone becomes a millionaire, they make it, not mean that they change their mindset, does not mean that they get away from that scarcity and that survival. And so when you talk about the psychology behind it, we have to be having conversations of how are you moving out of this mindset? Because you can't ask someone that was in this place that has now come up to give back to the community because it, it, it comes to the concept of like lifestyle mm-hmm. inflation. When you start making more money, your lifestyle elevates to that status as well. So now you're mm-hmm. asking these people to give when they've been in survival their whole entire life and they've never come out of that mindset, they're not going to be able to give back because they're going to feel like they're losing. And it's going to push them back into that same mindset. And so when we talk about the psychology behind it, it is the mental health behind it. How are you going to grieve for the childhood that you didn't have? How are you going to grieve for that parent that wasn't there, for the things that you did in survival and forgiving yourself for where you are? And so I think that we really forget how strong the mental health issues are. And, like, that mm-hmm. has to be a part of the conversation when we talk about moving the community forward. Because, like, your Nipsey Hustles, they have gotten to the self-actualization of, like, I have mm-hmm. to make a change and, like, I need to go back and make these changes for other people. I've discovered the truth for myself. And we don't have enough people that get to a position of power that get to that actualization and mm-hmm. deal with their issues and come back and have those conversations. No, I love it. I love it. And I think that understanding is 
to a degree, and, and it's not that I'm saying that I'm right here, but I just love what you're saying, Ashley, and I just think understanding what you've said is why I just don't want to spend no time, and, and again, I, I'm not being directive here at you, Jindai, I'm just talking about the thought from a broader standpoint, because it happens often, that I don't spend time saying, well, why did this one do this one, and why did that one do that? Or, you know, this one is the way to do it is because of what you just said. I don't know their journey for their self-actualization. And as you said, if they haven't had it, I always tell people, like, for example, um, we highlight, you know, like, fortunately, a lot of NFL, NBA players, especially the NFL guys, they don't make as much money as the NBA guys. A lot of them are broke within five years. And then the first thought is, well, how did they go broke with all that money? And I'm like, do you remember how bad you were at 21 with a credit card with only a $1,000 limit on it? Like, we ran up that limit. Like, you think giving the kid more money makes them smarter about the money? No, it doesn't. And it's speaking to the mentality. And, again, I'm, that's the pushback. Right. How do we get and focus on the mentality? And I can understand why that person is broke because the mentality didn't change. So I'm not going to talk right. shit about them or say they did something wrong or how did that happen because once I understand that, I get it. So thank you for that thought, Queen. Um, Mashonda and Jendai, your thoughts on um, what Ashley brought to the table and some of what I'm saying as well. I mean, I dig both points. I, I dig I dig what you're saying, and I, I completely get, like, what she's saying as well. I, I dig the notion of um, shifting the dialogue and or the narrative of, of even the focus being, or should I say the conversation, including um, people outside of us. You know what I'm saying? So I, I want you to be clear about that. I definitely did, like, it being the focus of us having the dialogue about us, not necessarily like, oh, these people did it, those people did it, because I do think that I see what that can take away from the work and it will be a distraction, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I definitely dig that. I definitely know, like, the mentality. Like, it's, it's like Nipsey said, it ain't about dropping a bag in the hood. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have the skills to know what to do with the bag, then that becomes a wasted resource, you know? Um, So I I think it's just about, I think it's going back to what the brother was saying, like about changing the mentality and things like that. And and even that conversation about like the majority of us are looking like this or the systems and all of that, I think it comes back to us working with the willing okay, and becoming mm-hmm. the example for the unwilling. And the more of that, this goes back to the visuals that we need. This goes back to the work that needs to be seen. You know what I'm exactly. saying? <laughs> so the yeah. more, or like that, that other clip that you played about how the brother was saying, becoming the example you want to see in the world, that's what's needed for our people, more of this, more of the positivity, and that's going to help shift the narrative that's going to help increase the work and for us to get to you know even more adding this to our greatness. Because yeah. like I'm so, gonna take yeah. this. Yeah, now nah, thank you for that thought, Jadai. And so I'm gonna say this, and then I'm gonna let Mashonda, in a sense, give us maybe a closing thought. But here's how what I'm talking about. Here was the shift in my even my own self. Right, I've been doing this show a little over six years. In the first years again just you know trying to get out here in business and try to figure out how to do business especially um something like this because there's not you know let's be honest there's not a lot of demand for this type of stuff right there's more demand for the powers and the why i love the wire right i love that you know i don't watch tv anymore but the wire was one of my favorite shows of all time i, I don't watch any tv now hardly but anyway with that said um even i had to get the perspective on what well, that me understanding i'm not the popular 
this type of show is not going to reach the masses as much as I would like for it to. But, so I still have an obligation to figure out how to get it out to as many as people as possible, but I also accept why they're going to choose power or the game over listening to the mental dialogue. Me accepting it doesn't mean I don't continue to do the show. It's me, when I understand the psychology, it no longer bothers me. It makes me realize, get out of that space and just continue to do the work and continue to reach people in the niche market. And as it grows, if if there's enough of us over here saying, hey, look at what's happening over here, as you said, we think that we want to be to the world. Eventually, if enough of us come over here, more people will come. That's all I can commit to mm-hmm. versus even wasting time saying, oh, they ain't going to come check me out. Like, just that space does not serve me, and it doesn't make me better at what I need to do. Yeah. But, Shonda, your thoughts, we got a minute. Um, so if you can give me a 30-second thought and then get out any public information you want for how people can get in contact with your ATL tours. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for being on this morning. 30 seconds on the final thought. And then Absolutely. So I think uh, everything that we mentioned, everything that the, the last caller mentioned was awesome. And uh, it reminded me of how toxic and uh, more importantly, how unproductive much of what we've been taught in our community, um, how unproductive much of what we've been taught is, right? Mm-hmm. And then understanding that there must be a change in consciousness, which is, about, to me, that's what I heard her say. Um, the mentality has to change. We have to have a change in consciousness in order for our community to thrive and to grow as we need it to. As we, need it to. You know, I love we, it. we have to have a change in consciousness. Social media handles real quick. We've got 20 seconds for both of you. Go ahead, Queen. Sure. You can find me on Facebook at Marshonda Dixon and on Instagram at uh, M.Nichelle. Also on Facebook, Your ATL Tours, and it's just Your ATL Tours on Facebook and Instagram. All right. I missed the time on you, Jinda. I'll get you next time. Sorry, Queen. We out. No worries.